From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. Well, we are very glad to have you with us here for Open Line Tuesday on EWTN Radio. Jack Williams away today. I'm Tom Price along with our Tuesday host, Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy. How are you there, Padre? I'm doing great, Tom. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like Jack there. (laughs) No, no. Jack is away, but he will be back very soon. I want to give out the phone numbers uh, so people can get kind of queued up here as we're uh, going through the springboard topic. And that number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're listening to us outside of North America, please dial the U.S. country code and then 205-271-271. 2985. You can also shoot us an email, email if you'd like that, and the address openline at EWTN.com, openline at EWTN.com. Be sure you put either Father Wade in the subject line or Tuesday in the subject line. On Tuesdays, we tackle tackle topics of faith, family, and fellowship. And uh, this is certainly a big week in the uh, history of the church uh, because uh, we celebrated just uh, just yesterday the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, right, Father? That's right, and that's our springboard topic for today, Tom, and it's a very, very special day for the Fathers of Mercy, my community here in Auburn, Kentucky, is it's the day that our men profess their final vows. Wow. Uh, they profess temporary vows uh, the day before on the feast day of St. Maximilian Mary Kolbe, the great mm-hmm. Auschwitz martyr. Mm-hmm. And then the, the novices are received, uh, formerly postulants, and receive the novice habit the day before that, on the 13th, wow. uh, St. Uh, Pontius and Hippolytus, also martyrs. So mm. <laughs> the Fathers of Mercy do a lot on these martyr days. I don't know if that's a, a prelude to something, but God, God be praised if that's the case. But on the assumption... We profess our final vows, and that's what I want to talk about now, the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, August 15th of every year on the Church's liturgical calendar. The Blessed Virgin Mary's Assumption of her body and soul into heaven makes very clear to us, the rest of humanity, that there is room for our humanity in heaven. How about that? Her assumption proves that there is room for our own humanity in heaven. Mary's assumption assures us that what Jesus accomplished in rising from the dead and ascending into heaven was not limited to his own divine person alone, no, nor to his human nature, which subsisted in his divine personage, no. Even though we are not divine and neither was Mary, rather we are fully human and so is Mary, we too are meant to be in heaven with the incarnate Son, in his home with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Thus the Blessed Mother's birth into heaven, we say, that is her assumption, generates in us an ever new capacity to await God's future for us. Indeed, what God wills for each and every one of us, right? Salvation, eternal beatitude, the beatific vision. Those are words from Pope St. John Paul II. Just as grace does not destroy, but rather perfects our human nature, so the glory of heaven will include our whole humanity, body and soul. 
As the English priest Father Ronald Knox tells us, quote, the transformation of our material bodies to which we look forward to one day has been accomplished, we know it for certain, in her, the Blessed Virgin Mary. So on the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Tom, we commemorate the moment that Mary's body and soul were assumed into heaven at the end of her earthly life. She did not rise by her own power, no, but rather through her beloved son, who would not allow his mother's incorruptible body to see the grave. The church teaches that Mary, having been conceived without original sin, never sinned. Rather, her body remained holy and immaculate, the very temple in which the living God was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. The Catholic Church proclaims the assumption, the physical elevation of Mary's sinless soul and incorrupt body into heaven as dogma, stating that the Virgin Mary, quote, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory, end quote. Those are words from Pope Pius XII defining this doctrine on November 1st, 1950 in the Apostolic Constitution, Munificentissimus Deus. And to date, it is the most recent dogmatic declaration made by a pope. And so we celebrate with great solemnity this uh, solemnity that we uh, celebrated yesterday on the 15th on the church's universal calendar. Uh, One question we often get as Catholics about the Assumption is which of the church fathers for the first five centuries taught and believed in the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary? Well, uh, there's a solid historical evidence that the early church believed in the Blessed Mother's Assumption. For example, though there are two tombs uh, associated with Mary in Jerusalem and Ephesus, respectively, two places that she lived, there is no testimony regarding her post-mortem body and related relics. This is striking because Jesus had no greater disciple than his mother, and yet unlike other saints of the early church, including St. Peter himself, there is zero historical evidence regarding relics of Mary. This absence of relics in particular in the Blessed Mother's body, or of the Blessed Mother's body, and its absence in and of itself, the body, uh, illustrates the early church believed Mary was indeed assumed heaven into heaven, body and soul. St. Epiphanius, uh, his classic work, the Panarion, the breadbox, uh, or refutation of all heresies, all heresies written around 350 AD, states this, quote, like the bodies of the saints, however, she, Mary, has been held in honor for her character and understanding and her office. And if I should say anything more in her praise, she is thus like Elijah, who was virgin from his mother's womb. She always remains so and was taken up, but has not seen death. So there's an example of, of an early church father that, that clearly believed in the assumption of Mary, likening uh, her being assumed uh, to that of the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. Now, we know that her assumption is tied to her divine maternity, her divine office. And notice too, Tom, that the, uh, the, the, the word assumption is a passive verb, mm-hmm. meaning she did not do it on her own. And yet 40 days after Easter, we celebrate the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ into heaven to be seated definitively at the right hand of his Father until he comes again to judge the living of the dead at his second coming. His ascension, that, that's an active 
verb. He did it himself, but Mary was assumed, okay, uh, by the Blessed Trinity, all things uh, through the Father, uh, in the Son, excuse me, all things in the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit, that great Trinitarian formula. And so uh, we honor this great uh, feast day of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I quote, I end it with this quote from John Paul II. He says, By the mystery of the Assumption of Our Lady into Heaven, there were definitively accomplished in Mary all the effects of the one mediation of Christ, the Redeemer of the world and risen Lord. In Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Quoting 1 Corinthians 15, verses 22 and 23. In the mystery of the Assumption is expressed the faith of the whole church, according to which Mary is united by a close and indissoluble bond to Christ. For if as virgin and mother she was singularly united with him in his first coming, so through her continued collaboration with him she will also be united with him in expectation mm. of his second coming. Mm. Assumed into heaven, she does not cease her saving service, which expresses her maternal mediation until the eternal fulfillment of all the elect is accomplished through her son. Thus she who here on earth loyally preserved in her union with her son on the cross continues to remain united with him while now all things are subjected to him until he subjects to the Father himself and all things at the end of time. Thus in her assumption into heaven, Mary is, as it were, clothed by the whole reality of the communion of saints, Mm. and her very union with the Son in glory is wholly oriented toward the definitive fullness of the kingdom when God will be all in all. What's been given to Mary, God wants to give to us. Ultimately, heaven body and soul, uh, forever in eternity. But where we receive it after uh, the, the cross took place, Mary, while also receiving the gift after the cross took place, through her divine office and her immaculate conception, received it, the merits of it, before the cross took place. But Mary needed to be mm-hmm. saved, just like we needed to be saved. But through her immaculate conception, which is why the assumption is even possible, um, she merited uh, from the cross before the cross took place when she herself was conceived in St. Anne's womb. This is constant, constant teaching tradition of the church uh, from the time of the apostles forward. We can even talk a little bit about that when we come back, uh, more uh, historical proofs for that. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to end with this, Tom. I want our callers today to witness about their Marian devotion, ah. their solid, balanced Marian devotion. Maybe you visited an approved Marian shrine. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you just have a strong devotion to the rosary. Uh, maybe you have a, a, a devotion to Our Lady Untire of Knots. Yeah. That's a popular devotion that's increasing even more. It is. So call us today, Open Line Tuesday listeners, and give us your witness this day after the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin of your own particular solid, balanced, and loving devotion to the Mother of God. And here's that phone number, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes on EWTN. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. Lines are open right now for Father Wade Menezes here on Open Line Tuesday, 833-288-EWTN. 
That's 833-288-3986. We'll get to those calls in just a moment here. Uh, But uh, let me tell you, there's a wonderful book now available from EWTN's Religious Catalog, and it's called Purgatory is for Real. Good news about the afterlife for those who aren't perfect yet. I'd put myself at the head of that line. Anyway, it's written by our friend Carlo Broussard. You know, with so many non-Catholics condemning purgatory as a, quote, unbiblical tradition of men, so how do we explain the doctrine of purgatory? Catholic apologist Carlo Broussard definitively tackles this most misunderstood teaching in this wonderful book. Carlo gives the evidence and arguments to see and explain to others that purgatory is actually firmly rooted in biblical truth and the faith and practice of the earliest Christians. Do check it out. It's a great book. Again, the title, Purgatory is for Real, Good News About the Afterlife, for those who aren't yet perfect by Carlo Broussard, available right now at EWTNRC.com, EWTNRC.com. Father, you are not perfect, are you? Not at all. I was going to tell you, Tom, I'm right <laughs> behind you there in that statement you made. Right behind you, man. Man, oh man. There's there, there's so much I have to work work on uh, for my own salvation, and I'm, I'm so glad to see that people like Carlo Broussard are writing books for people like you and me. Again, that phone number here, 833-288-EWTN. Before we go to the phones, uh, here's a quick question from Betsy, watching us today on YouTube. Uh, She says, a priest said we can request additional penance in confession for time off in purgatory, as our short penances don't don't cover too much purgatory time. Are, Are these points true, Father? Technically, it is true, but uh, he should have made it clear that he's going to give a penance solely for that confession that was just made. I see. And then if one wishes to take on additional penance Mm -hmm. for temporal punishment for already forgiven past mortal and venial sin, uh, one can ask the confessor for that. But that's an extra penance to the one that's just been given for those particular sins just confessed, mortal and or venial, for that particular confession that was just made. Okay. Um, it, it, the second part of him giving additional penance, Tom, for uh, uh, temporal punishment for other past already forgiven mortal sins um, is really, we could call it a point of spiritual direction that mm-hmm. he's giving the person beyond mm-hmm. the confession that just took place, which received its own proper penance. And a person has a right to ask for that. Okay. Remember, once we confess a sin in the sacrament of reconciliation, mortal and or venial sin, and for mortal sin, confession remains the ordinary channel for that mortal sin to be forgiven. For venial sin, there's other channels that the venial sin can be forgiven, like the penitential rite at Mass, uh, carrying out any of the 14 works of mercy, um, any combination thereof, mm-hmm. seven for the body, seven for the soul, the three eminent good works, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. By the way, you would do so not for the works themselves, but for the charity they help foster yeah. to your fellow human person. But uh, if one wants to do that, one can atone for additional temporal punishment for already forgiven past mortal and venial sins. This is why it's important to want to, for example, strive for a plenary indulgence, which wipes away all temporal punishment uh, due to sin. Um, and, and, and there's the particular work involved with the indulgence, whatever that might be, according to the spiritual work you're looking to carry out. Mm-hmm. And you can pick up your, your book of indulgences at your local Catholic bookstore. There's over 250 listed in that book. Beautiful little hardbound book to have oh. in your Catholic home library. Uh, but yes, uh, the priest can do that, but he should make a distinction between the penance 
properly given just now for this confession per se, and then any additional penances would be for uh, ongoing uh, atonement for temporal punishment. Very good. Uh, Betsy, thanks so much uh, for checking in today on YouTube. If you're ready now, let's go to the phones at 833-288-EWTN. We begin with Bob in Omaha, listening on the Great Spirit Catholic Radio. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today, sir? Hey, I enjoy your show, especially today, because you're, you're talking about the Blessed Mother of the Assumption. And um, what I what can, you're asking for, what helps me to connect myself more to Blessed Mary? And I found a book called The Life of Mary Told by Mystics. There's four mm-hmm. women saints that talked to so much that they actually wrote a book about it. I'm a bad reader. The guy who wrote it, uh, his name is Raphael Brown. But I'm right. not a very good reader, Mark. So I just listened to this on tape, YouTube on tape. I listened to it on and on and on and on. Like you said, the rosary. I listen to five minutes here, five minutes there when I go to sleep and all mm-hmm. that. But what it does, it makes me know her better and know Jesus more and know Joseph more. The first chapter starts out before Mary is born. So now you're getting into Joachim and Anne and what they had to go through in order to conceive and have the Mother Mary. And I just love it. It goes on and on. There's little side stories like... Uh, well, it took Mary and Mary and, and uh, Joseph and Anne twenty years to get pregnant, and they did. And they said, "When we get pregnant, when we have a child, if God gives us a child, and people made fun of them because they couldn't conceive and all that. But if God gives us a child, we're gonna we're gonna offer her to the temple. We're gonna give her to the temple. Let the uh, the temple raising the priests and the uh, women that are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and right. And so, uh, so they did. so they did, and they gave it. They gave uh, the and she was there, and she's spent her whole life there. And now she's spent like. 14 years there, and they're 10 years there, and came back, and, and the story goes from there. But also, um, little things like um, when, they're going to, when they go to Egypt with, with baby Jesus, he's born now, and Herod wants to kill him, so over to Egypt they go. There's three stories, like one night they go through by snakes, another night they're going through like strong winds, and one night, the third night, they stop at this place, and the guy, the guy that's there is a, is a criminal, he's a, he's a robber, he robs people. So he sees Mary and Joseph and sees they have nothing but this beautiful little baby. And he says, there's nothing for me to rob here. Come on in. Stay with us. And uh, we'll get some water and clean the baby up. And just be filled right at home. So they- okay, uh, Father, are you, are you familiar with this book? I am very much so. And, and just for the benefit, Tom, and, and also Bob, thank you so much for your call today. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners this live hour that, that may not be Catholic themselves, I want to make it clear that this book is a wonderful, wonderful book. It is based on the writings of four saints and their private revelation, and we Catholics believe that private revelation, uh, provided there's nothing, nothing contrary to faith or morals in the private revelation, it can be piously believed and embraced, but it is not needed for salvation. Okay. okay? So just a little bit about the book, because it is a masterpiece. Bob is correct. Uh, It combines the visions, Tom, of four great Catholic mystics into one coherent story on the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's based primarily on the famous revelations of of Venerable Anne Catherine Emmerich, Mm. uh, Venerable Mary of Agreda. It also includes many episodes described in the writings of St. Bridget of Sweden, one of the great co-patronesses of Europe and one of the great uh, patronesses of homeschooling mothers and mothers in general, and also St. Elizabeth of Chignau. Um, to read this book is to share in the magnificent visions granted to these four most privileged women, these, these four most privileged souls in the history of the Church, in, in complete harmony with the Gospel story, uh-huh. in complete harmony with the Gospel story. This book reads like a masterfully written novel. Uh, it includes uh, fascinating details, some of which, which Bob just alluded to, but again, they're, they're private revelation. There's nothing contrary to faith or morals about, the, about them. And it 
the same time, thus, the, pri the private revelation may be piously believed and embraced, but it's not needed for salvation. Um, it's for young and old, old alike, this okay. book, this wonderful book, and it's The Life of Mary is Seen by the Mystics. It's uh, put out by Tan Publishers as the publisher. Uh, I'm sure you can get it from Tan Books directly. It may also be available at EWTNRC.com. I'm not sure, but it is uh, published by Tan Books and Publishers. Uh, so it's a great work that I would like to recommend for pious devotional reading. Mm -hmm. It would be a, a great, great read uh, to uh, familiarize yourself more with the, the white martyrdom, huh? which yeah. is going to be my topic uh, in two weeks, the white martyrdom of Mary and Joseph. And what white martyrdom means, um, it'll be my topic on Tuesday the 30th, um, um, you know, trials, persecution, suffering, and, and Mary and Joseph clearly suffered a white martyrdom as opposed to the red martyrdom of blood, mm, yeah. dying for the faith. They certainly suffered a white martyrdom uh, in their divine offices as the, as the foster father of, of Christ, uh, Joseph, and as the, the mother of Christ, the Blessed Virgin. I say divine office, granted, meaning granted them by God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great, great book, and I would recommend it. Bob, thanks so much for your call. Let's go to Colleen in Georgia, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Hello, Colleen. What's on your mind today? Hello. I am calling because somebody said to me today that every soul has or contains the divine or contains divinity. Uh, and I'm curious about what that means. Okay. Great, great question, Colleen. Uh, the soul is the form of the body. It's its animating principle. Um, we don't have bodies. We are bodies. We don't have souls. We are souls as human persons. That's how intimate and integrate the, the, the body-soul compositeness is in the human person, we could say. So uh, when we receive God's sanctifying grace, which is the principle that makes us an actual participator in his own divine life, it is the soul that receives that sanctifying grace, okay? Um, so in that sense, we say that the soul is the vessel of which that divine participation uh, takes place, the divino participatio, the, the, the participation in the divine takes place because we are made in God's image and likeness. Uh, we are the only uh, created being made in his image and likeness, the gases and the airs, the rocks and the minerals, the vegetative plants, uh, the brute animals like dogs and cats. None of those things are made in God's image and likeness. Although I think, Tom, cats think they're made in God's <laughs> image and likeness. But they're not, okay? Nothing against you cat lovers out there. But, <laughs> but um, no, actually, I love cats. But anyway, um, none of these other forms of creation, is my point, are made in God's image and likeness. They tell us something about God. Mm -hmm. Think of the, the multitude and distinction of fresh-cut flowers in the fresh-cut flower industry. Think of crops, think of the different uh, airs and gases, the, the rocks and minerals, the beautiful, beautiful, uh, uh, huge desert mountains in Arizona and New Mexico, mm. hardly any vegetation on them, and they're just magnificent to gaze yeah, upon. Yeah. Uh, so these things tell us something about God in the created corporeal world, but only the human person is made in God's image and likeness. So it's the soul, uh, Colleen, that receives the sanctifying grace that makes us an actual participator in the divine life of God, which in turn makes us participate by, by the phrase divine life of God, such things as the seven mansions that St. Teresa of Avila talks about in the way of perfection, her great spiritual work, the way of perfection. So we're called uh, to, to enter into this divine life of God. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, if you go to fathersofmercy.com, two Sundays ago, uh, Father Ricardo Pineda, one of our priests, gave a wonderful, wonderful uh, homily on the stages of prayer. 
mm. on the stages of the spiritual life, the stages of the interior life. Father Ricardo Pineda, listen to that homily, Colleen, and you will know exactly how we can participate in the divine life of God, quote, end quote, through his sanctifying grace and the heights that he calls us to to be tasted in this life so as to prepare ourselves to be forever with him in the next, the source and summit of which is the Most Holy Eucharist, uh, the source and summit of the entire Christian life. Thank you, Colleen, for an absolutely great question. Again, fathersofmercy.com. Go back a couple weeks to the uh, homily given by Father Ricardo Pineda, uh, Father of Mercy Priest. All right, and what a great resource that is, uh, fathersofmercy.com. In a moment, we'll be talking with Stephanie on the Big Island of Hawaii, also Danielle in West Virginia. There's a line open for you at 833-288-EWTN for Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hey, still time to get your call in to Father Wade here at EWTN's Open Line Tuesday. Our phone number, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Before we go back to the phones, Father, I got a little quick bug there and and thought I would check out the website, EWTNRC.com. And indeed, uh, we do sell that book, The Life of Mary as Seen by the Mystics. Uh, it's available from EWTN's religious catalog, and that is item number 1164. So great there you fan- go. Fantastic. And, and Tan Publisher is a great publisher. Glad to hear that EWTN is carrying that, uh, yeah. Tom, at yeah. EWTNRC.com. Yep. And doesn't your wife, Adrienne, do some um, audio recording for children's books, I yes. believe, for, yes. for Tan Books and Publishers? Well, thank you. She's, she's narrated uh, several books by, I believe the author is Mary Fabian Windiat who has written a number of uh, really good children's books, and uh, she's just delighted to do that. So uh, there you well, go. Well, y- your wife, Adrienne, has a beautiful voice in in Gregorian scholas, I've heard them, in, oh, in uh, yeah. polyphony scholas, so I'm sure her reading voice for children's books is just as good. <laughs> she is very blessed to be able to do that. Here is Danielle now in West Virginia, listening on Sirius XM, Channel 130. Uh, Danielle, what's on your mind today? Hi, I was calling to comment on uh, Marian Devotion. Oh, the day after the feast of the Assumption. Yeah. Um, yes, fantastic. So a couple, gr- yeah, a couple great ones that I know have been helpful to me, and they might be helpful to other listeners. Um, is the devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, you know, a lot of people have been struggling, um, mm-hmm. not just from COVID, but from many different things in our life, and um, going to Our Lady and praying the devotion to Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, offering up the suffering that we have. Um, you know, to the Lord through her intercession and just meditating on her sorrows and what she went through has really helped. Um, and then also um, the first Saturday devotion that Our Lady asked us to do at Fatima, that's been really helpful for me. So Beautiful. I just wanted to call and kind of comment and give some um, recommendations to maybe other listeners. Oh, thank you. Well, great. Well, those are two great ones. Thank you so much. And you're calling from Hawaii, so uh, praise God, the underwater cables and above-ground satellite systems are working. <laughs> well, actually, that is that is uh, Danielle in West Virginia. We're, we're, oh, we're, okay. We're... I'm I'm sorry. It's the next one, I guess, is Stephanie yes. from Hawaii. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Danielle's from West Virginia. Well, still a spectacular proof of of the wonders of technology, Tom. Hey, <laughs> almost heaven, West Virginia. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's that's what the song says. Danielle, thanks so much. Uh, 
for your call today here on Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. We're taking your calls. We're not only talking about, uh, you know, your own Marian devotions, but really anything uh, regarding faith, family, and fellowship at 833-288-EWTN. Now we're going to go to the Big Island and talk with Stephanie, listening on the great KFIP. Hey there, Stephanie, what's on your mind today? Aloha. Well, I just wanted to share with um, the listeners that I'm a distracted prayer, I guess. Um, (laughs) You know, I do pray the rosary. I do. I put it on YouTube, and I do it while I'm doing my job, driving for my job. But, um, you know, even being a distracted person who prays and distracted, um, Mary's amazing. Whenever you ask for help, she will be there. Um, So, short story is, I got into the surf, um in 2018 after my 50th birthday and it was too strong for me and by the third time I was um of having to go under a wave and being tossed around I'm like Mary you got to help me I can't do it on my own and the next thing you know is I'm just like being swept on the shore it was like beautiful wow um and she's been there so many other times when I've needed to really be grounded and have a, um, do, you know, do what I know that I need to be done, whether it be in relationships or whatever, you know, if you go to her, she will ask you. And one time I remember after, um, lighting a candle for my intentions after morning mass and speaking with a girlfriend and I'm like, Oh, Mary's here. Do you smell the roses? And she's like, no. I'm like, well, you can't miss it. Mm. The roses are so, so strong. So, mm. you know, if you can just be aware and pay attention that well, she will be there and she answers your uh, your prayers and your calling. Beautiful. A- a- amen to that, Stephanie. And, and uh, you're, you're echoing the solemn truth that our Blessed Mother has one goal and one goal only— to lead us more closely to her son. And the same with Danielle's call just before you, Danielle from West Virginia, Mm. um, with her two devotions of the first Saturday in honor of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and also to Our Lady of Sorrows, Mary at the foot of the cross, right? Uh, How beautiful that is. And uh, uh, I'd like to remind my, my hearers, my listeners, that Our Lady of Sorrows is celebrated on September 15th, of every year on the Church's liturgical calendar, a day after September 14th, which is the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross. The Feast of the Triumph of the Cross. But here's what's interesting. The Feast of the Triumph of the Cross is tucked in between September 15th, Our Lady of Sorrows, Mm -hmm. and September 8th, which we honor as the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary from her mother's womb, St. Anne's womb. Mm. This is one of the little octaves, Tom, that we celebrate throughout the entire liturgical year. We know of the two big octaves of Easter and Christmas, Mm -hmm. Christmas, December 25th, and January 1st, Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, and Easter Sunday to Divine Mercy Sunday. Also known as the second Sunday of Easter. We know those two big octaves, but we forget two smaller Marian octaves. This is one of them. September 8th, her, her nativity uh, through 
Our Lady of Sorrows, which is where she completes her divine maternity office, standing at the foot of the cross, right? Standing, not not swooning, not fainting, but standing at the foot of the cross. That's important to to say. And also, um, uh, the other smaller one, smaller Marian octave, is this one. In fact, we're in the midst of it right now. How awesome is that? Um, It's the 15th, the Assumption, 15th of August, which Uh was yesterday, all the way through August 22nd, the eighth day is August 22nd, the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Ah. Mary. So in other words, what is Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, trying to tell us, Tom? She's trying to tell us this. She's trying to tell us that uh, because she was assumed body and soul into heaven, August 15th, it's precisely because of that fact that we crown her. We crown her as queen of heaven and earth. And uh, that's just a beautiful thing. So I want to go back, if I may, we, we, we're in a little bit of a stall here in between callers. This is very important. It's short and to the point, and it's very beautiful. Going back to that, that first octave of September 8th, the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin, to September 15th, Our Lady of Sorrows, which fulfills her office standing at the foot of the cross, with the day before being the feast day of the triumph of the cross. This concerns the so-called swoon of the Virgin Mary devotion. The Latin of the devotion was called the spasmus virginis, the spasm of the devotion. Sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? Well, (laughs) listen to this. Uh, In the Middle Ages, there developed a very curious devotion to the so-called spasmus virginis devotion, or the so-called swoon of the virgin devotion. We know what a swoon is, Tom. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth before you finally just faint completely out, yeah, right? Yeah. It is a theme in some medieval crucifixion iconography and statuary in which our Blessed Mother is shown extremely grief-stricken, then spasmodically swooning, and then literally fainting into the arms of St. John or one of the other holy women. But in 1503, the great theologian Cardinal Cajetan wrote a treatise against the so-called swoon of the virgin devotion. Among other things, Cajetan pointed out, it simply is not biblical. St. John clearly states in his gospel that Jesus' mother stood, quote-unquote, stood near his cross. Also think here, Tom, of the ancient Latin hymn, the Stabat Mater, uh, Latin for standing mother. Mm-hmm. At the cross her station keeping stood the mournful mother weeping. Mm-hmm. See, she stood. She's the standing mother. She's the Stabat Mater. And by the way, that hymn comes to us from around 1275. Anyway, Cardinal Cajetan and others soon labeled the swoon devotion or the spasm devotion of the Blessed Virgin, quote, both scandalous and dangerous, end quote, because it simply was not consonant with our Blessed Mother's courageous behavior on that first Good Friday while she stood at the foot of the cross. Now, did she weep? Yes. Was she sorrowful? Yes. Was she grief-stricken? Yes. But she did not swoon, spasm, faint, or collapse. Mm. So, due to the works of Cardinal Cajetan and other notable theologians, Pope Julius II soon refused to attach any indulgences whatsoever to the devotion of the spasm of the Virgin. The Church soon forbade artists to depict the Blessed Virgin Mary fainting below the cross. And so it was then, Tom, that the so-called spasmus virginis devotion gradually disappeared altogether. That's a fascinating point of history. It is. uh, Precise because the Church wanted to protect our Blessed Mother's courageous behavior that we celebrate every September 15th, uh, as, as Danielle said, uh, with Our Lady of Sorrows, which completes the octave celebration, the eighth day, uh, 
which began on September 8th, her nativity. Beautiful. Stephanie, thanks so much for your call from uh, Kailua Kona in Hawaii, listing there Amen. on yeah. KFIP. They're, they're on the Big Island. That's uh, fantastic to hear from you today here on EWTN's uh, Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. Going to get back to the phones in just a second here. want to remind you about uh, a wonderful show that I think a lot of people take for granted because it's been on the air for so long on EWTN Radio, and that is The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. You know, you may think, of well, this guy is goofy. He's wacky. He, 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 he's cracking jokes while he's giving out advice. But if you'll notice, the advice is solid. It, it can't be beat, especially if you've got a young family. I know our, our producer, Michael, has, has a young family as well. Michael, I'm going to recommend that you check out Dr. Wade, uh, excuse me, Dr. Ray Garendi, because he is absolutely fantastic. And his, his advice to uh, really listeners of all ages just can't be beat. Do check hey, it out. The doctor hey, Tom, is your slip yes. just now isn't far off because Dr. Ray and I are doing a men's conference together. Are you in, really? In, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, October 14th through the 16th that weekend. So we're working together. So that wasn't too bad what you just said. Fantastic. All right. Do check it out. The doctor is in with Dr. Dr. Ray. Dr. Ray Garendi uh, tomorrow afternoon, every Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on EWTN Radio. He is a bit of a nut, isn't he, though? <laughs> yeah, he's a fun nut, though. A fun <laughs> nut. Uh, we always have a, a great time whenever we're together. All right, uh, and back to the phones right now. Here is Rollo in San Antonio listening on the great Guadalupe Radio. Rollo, what's on your mind today? Yes, Father. Uh, I wanted to know what your take was on uh, on the reading for the day. Our Lord said that uh, he harvests where he does not plant and that he uh, gathers where he does not scatter. And I also want to know what your take would be on the five talents and then the two talents and the one talent. And what does that mean for uh, the faithful? Well, there's so much here, depending on which of the three synoptic Gospels you're talking about, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because while they have the, the primary major threads of the talents and how they're not to be wasted and, and, and used for nothing, rather they're used to be employed for God's greater glory, there's also some other points uh, that some of the synoptics don't have that the others do have. For example, those who arrive at the end of the day still receive the same wage as those who arrived at the very beginning of the day and thus worked much longer hours, all were paid equal. Uh, not, that not only shows the fact that God gives the gifts to whom he wills, but if you do your job and you do it well, the virtue of diligence, huh? do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, and the way it's supposed to be done, uh, you can become a great, great saint. And that's, that's always important to remember in regards to the virtue of diligence, as St. Thomas Aquinas uh, teaches it. It's a very important thing. But uh, basically, the, the parable of the talents um, is just that, the talents that we've been given. And by the way, it's not prideful to believe that you have received certain gifts that you're meant to um, foster and help grow in your life, huh? Uh, you know, there's nothing prideful about that as long as you don't become prideful about the talent or the gift. We all have our gifts, and the New Testament, especially in 1 Corinthians, talks about this, the, the role of administrators, teachers, prophets, the gift of tongues, etc., um, preachers. Uh, we all have what we need to give back to God precisely because he's given it. You know, I, I think... Tom, if I may say this as an aside, mm -hmm. I think of three fantastic communicators during my own lifetime, and I'm in my mid-50s, and it's uh, uh, Pope John Paul II, uh, President Ronald Reagan, 
and Mother Angelica. Oh, yeah. Absolutely three fantastic great communicators, and yet at the end of their life, our Lord deemed it fitting to take the gift back. And I like to think in my meditation, it's precisely because they used it so well. They, they use their talent so well as communicators. Mother with her stroke, John Paul II with his Parkinson's, and Ronald Reagan with his Alzheimer's. Yeah. Almost like our Lord wanted to give them a rest at the end of their life because they had <laughs> used the communicative skill so, so well. But five lessons that come from the parable of the talents that, that remain uh, systematic in all three of the synoptic gospels, uh, Rawio, are, are, are these. Number one, we are not all created with equal skills, abilities, and opportunities. Uh, each man was given talents according to his own ability, huh? And so the master in the parable understood the one-talent servant was not capable of producing as much as the five-talent servant, right? And so initially we may read that and say that uh, that doesn't seem fair. But remember, what is fair is that we're not all robots, robots that are the same exact as the next person. No, each one has their own gift and talents. The second of the, of the five lessons we can take is that success only occurs when we take action. If we sit idle, there will be no success, huh? We got to take action with the talent, with the natural gift that's been given to us. Um, Adam and Eve were put in the garden to work it and take care of it. St. Paul told the church in Thessalonica that if someone did not work, they should not eat. Uh, Proverbs 12 tells us that those who work, uh, their land will have abundant food, but those who uh, chase fantasies and don't work uh, have no sense about them. Uh, the third of the fifth of the five talents that we can say that we can garner or cull from the, the parable of the talents in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that uh, when we do work, our efforts are to be aimed toward God, right? And not to our own self-pleasure or agenda for only my benefit, because then we make ourselves a demigod. Mm. Uh, it was not uncommon in those days, Rario, to for masters to entrust possessions to their servants in their absence. And so if we are followers of Christ, uh, we are his servants, and, and we, uh, we, we choose to die to self and follow him. He's the one we give the greater glory to. The Bible teaches us that everything we have, whether acquired or given at birth, is God's. Number four, we could say that God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do. I'm going to repeat that. Many of the saints touch upon this theme in their spiritual writings, Tom. God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do. So think about this. God has a best version of, of Tom Price that already exists in God's divine and eternal mind that he desires Tom Price to aspire to. God has already, uh, in his divine mind, the all-omniscient, all all-knowing God, a best version of Father Wade, a best version of Raoul, of, of everyone who has called this show today. He's given us the talents needed to achieve and arrive at that best version of self. Never forget that. So again, mm -hmm. number four, God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do. And number five, uh, we shall be held accountable. Uh, the unfaithful servant in the parable did not waste the master's money. He wasted an opportunity, okay? He didn't waste the money. He buried it and wasted an opportunity to grow the investment. So as a result, he was judged wicked and lazy, right? Uh, I'm sure we've all felt that, that wasted opportunity from time to time as it relates to, to sharing the gospel we ourselves have taken part in, either willingly or, or unwillingly, wittingly or unwittingly. 
the basic point is this. We are responsible for what we have been given, and one day we will be held responsible. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 28 says, uh, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every other living thing that moves on the earth. That word dominion, God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. He gave man dominion over the earth. That serves this, that, that comes from the same Latin root as the word dominus, which mm-hmm. means Lord, right? Yeah. God gave man lordship, in other words, kingship over creation. And he says this, verse 28, right after verses, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 from Genesis, when he tells us that we're made in his image and likeness. He's the, su- he's the supreme being. He's the supreme dominus, the supreme Lord, the supreme king of the universe, Christ's sovereign king of the universe, the last Sunday in ordinary time, right? Liturgically speaking, that beautiful solemnity, yeah. Christ the king. Um, well, right after he tells us that we're made in his image and likeness in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, the very next verse, Genesis 1, verse 28, he then gives us the dominus, the, the dominion over all things in the ocean, mm-hmm. above the ocean, above the land, in the ground, in the air, everything. And so we have a, a calling here. So those five lessons from the parable of the talents, we are not all created with equal skills, abilities, and opportunities, but each one has his own in which to foster and grow and make a success. Number two, success itself only occurs when we take action. We cannot sit idle. Number three, when we do work, our efforts are to be aimed toward God and not towards our own uh, self-gratification or agenda, right? And number four, God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do, and we will be held accountable. Great, great question. Thank you so much on the on the parable of the talents. Very, very important. Yeah, yeah. Rollo, thanks for checking in from San Antonio. Let's go quickly to Tito, a first-time caller from Oklahoma listening on YouTube. Hey, Tito, what's on your mind today, sir? Yes, uh, Father, I just need to know the... Uh, uh, Devotion of the Holy Faith. Yeah, great, great question. It's a very uh, prominent devotion in the life of the Catholic Church, Holy Mother Church. It's an approved devotion. Many saints had a strong devotion to the Holy Face. Um, one of the artifacts in the Vatican is believed to be Veronica's veil, which is where the devotion to the Holy Face is rooted in. And interestingly enough, uh, Veronica as a name, as a feminine name, Mm -hmm. means true icon. Vera, true, uh, iconia, icon, true icon, true image, in other words. Uh, And Veronica wiped the face of Jesus. We have that station during the Stations of the Cross. And it's in that artifact held at the Vatican, it's in that that artifact that the devotion is is prominent in the life of the church. Um, and also, uh, many of the saints, as I said briefly just a few moments ago, had a devotion to the most holy face of Jesus, uh, namely St. Therese, uh, St. Therese of the Child Jesus, had a great, great devotion to the holy face. One of the things that I love about the devotion, I don't personally have a devotion to the holy faith where I, I pray it daily, but I did in my past, and one of the things that I really grew enamored with is that there's many, many different aspects of the devotion to the Holy Face. For example, the aspect of reparation. 
okay? The aspect of goodness, the goodness we see in the icon of the holy face, we want to have that goodness in our life itself. The growth in virtue, etc. And there's a, a website uh, that, from what I know of, everything is in, in accord with what the Church teaches about the holy face. If you go to theholyface.com, mm-hmm. theholyface.com, you will find a whole list of prayers there in regards um, uh, to that particular devotion, and it's very, very important. So there's prayers to begin the day, there's the litany of the Holy Face of Jesus, which is one of the approved litanies in the life of Holy Mother Church, for example, along with the litany of the Most Blessed Sacrament, the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the litany of the Sacred Heart, etc. There's also a chaplet of the Holy Face, which we receive from a Sister Marie of St. Peter, Uh, There's also the Golden Arrow Prayer, for those of you familiar with the Pieta booklet, the little blue Pieta booklet, which is a very, very uh, prominent uh, devotional prayer booklet in the life of the Church, especially Mm -hmm. here in the United States. I know the English version's very, very popular. You can find it in any Catholic bookstore, the Pieta booklet. has a picture of the Pieta, of Michelangelo's Pieta on the front. has the Golden Arrow Prayer in it as one of many, many prayers in the Pieta booklet. Well, that that golden arrow prayer is per se from the devotion to the holy face. And so uh, that is a prayer worth uh, familiarizing yourself to. But again, uh, theholyface.com. But yes, it is an approved devotion. Uh, I would encourage it if you're looking for a devotion. The, the whole goal of this devotion is to um, uh, take on the likeness through virtue, goodness, and a life of grace that which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ possessed, especially in his humanity while he walked the earth for those 30 years, 33 years, three of which were his public life. Mm. This is why the Gospels are so important. They literally, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they tell us how Jesus acted with others. They show us how Jesus acted with others, uh, how he was patient, how he called others on the carpet with their sins, but did it in a very loving way where he met them where they were at. Uh, think of how he treated Mary, the, the adulterous woman, believed to be Mary Magdalene, uh, you know, and the men went away one by one. They would not stone her because Jesus was bringing to mind their own sins by writing on the ground twice. And then at the end of that scene, woman, where have they all gone? Are none left here to condemn you? No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So we want to take on this likeness uh, of, of, of Christ. This We want to become true icons of Christ ourselves. Huh? We want to become the vera iconia of Christ, the true icon of Christ that is rooted in this in this devotion to the Holy Face, which itself originates from uh, the, the artifact in the Vatican of Veronica's veil. Uh-huh. So uh, great, great question on a particular devotion. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tito. Father Wade, could you please leave us with your blessing? I certainly will, Tom, and I'll end it by holding up my St. Joseph Terror of Demons pen. Do you got one, Tom? I got to get you I one do, I do. Oh, Thank oh, you. Good, good, good. Thank you. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always, St. Joseph Terror Terror of demons. Pray for us on behalf of our fantastic team. That would be my Michael, Matt, and Jeff. I'm Tom Price along with Father Wade. Looking forward to our next visit right here on EWTN Radio. Have a great day and God bless.